week, we're going to continue our series over managing your mindset. All right. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, it's what I started talking about, uh, like I said, two weeks ago. What we understand is this. Our mind is the most powerful tool that we possess. It has the ability to build up or tear down. We understand that your mind has the ability to create or destroy, to help or harm, to be, show apathy, empathy or apathy. In your mind, everything begins. That's the starting place. It shapes your reality and it creates lenses of perception. And so a lot of times you can put five people in the same room and you can ask them, give them a scenario and they all respond differently based off their experiences and those experiences, how it shaped their mentality and how it shaped their thoughts and, and shaped their perceptions. And so what we got to understand is that we got to always be working on our mind, all right? Because why? The memories, the things that happened in our past, they can be very beneficial to us or they could be very detrimental to us and create strongholds that keep us captive. And so that's why God said, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. That's why he wants us to meditate on this word both day and night. And so you're going to hear a lot about mindset from me because that's what I'm working on personally. And so uh, so for right now, that's what we're going to be talking about. God, we got to understand that God is very intentional about the importance of mindset. Therefore, we must be intentional about our own mindset. We must understand that a changed mind changes circumstances. A changed mind changes circumstances. And so a lot of us may have made changes in our life, not because we had a mindset change, but because the pain of staying the same outweighed the pain uh, of changing. And so what happened is, Sim, I got a Nest thermostat. And what my Nest thermostat does, if it gets too cold in my house, it'll go into emergency mode and it will regulate the temperature to keep things safe. If it gets too hot in my house, what happens is the thermostat recognizes that it's too hot, so it'll regulate the temperature to make things safe. And what many of us have encountered is not that we've had a mindset change, it's not that we have shifted, it's that we have become, we have entered into emergency mode. And so what happened is the relationship got too hostile, you felt unsafe, so you broke up the relationship. But you didn't change your mindset about the type of guy or the type of girl you pick. And so you find yourself replicating the same situations over and over and over again, because all you're do doing is going from one emergency state to the next. It's not that the thermostat was actually changed. It was just that you were going into safety mode, right? And so what I want to do, what I am doing for my own self is resetting my mind so it aligns with what who God has called me to be, my God-given identity. I'm resetting my mind about prosperity. I'm resetting my mind about identity. I'm resetting my mind about where God wants me to be in this earth, making the impact. And I'm letting go of societal norms and pressures and self-made images of myself so that I may become who God has called me to be. But that all starts in your mind. It says God has given us his word to keep us from being regulated by emergencies. God has given us his word to keep us from being regulated by emergencies. So we don't always have to go from one painful situation to the next painful situation. We can actually experience peace and joy every day of our lives. It says he has given us his word so that we may live our best life. He has developed a plan for us and a purpose for us, and it is good. However, we must spend time in his word and adopt what he has said as true over what we have experienced. We have to adopt it as true over what we are currently experiencing, and we got to adopt the word of God as true over what we will experience. I will not be moved by emergencies. I will not let pain be the thing that shifts me only to not have my mindset change to enter into yet another situation, another job, another relationship where I'm only moved again when the pain gets bad. We are not designed to be moved by pain. We are designed to be moved by the word of God. I am not designed to be moved by circumstances. 
I am designed to be moved by the word of God. So as he has given us a vision for our lives, that vision is the thing that moves me. All right, that's the thing that has to move me. For the believer, the word of God must be our truth. It must be the thing that sets our mind. And when it does, our life changes. The word of God sets my mind. So when I'm talking about a mindset, um, when I'm talking about my mind being placed and established in the thing, it is needs to be established on the word of God. So let's go over a quick review. What did we talk about the other week? It says, number one, if you don't think it, it won't happen. If you don't think it, it doesn't happen. And you're like, well, Ralph, I didn't think about cussing them out. I didn't think it about um, I didn't think about doing that. I didn't think about doing this. Why? The thing that you got to understand about your mindset, and we're not going to be, we're not going to get into it tonight, is that your subconscious never sleeps. And so, though you are not thinking about some cer certain things, your subconscious is automatically reacting to things. That's why you cuss somebody out before you realize it, because cuss is so deep in you. That's why you pop your kid every time you turn around, because it was in you. It's pop. It's how you was raised. It's how your mama was raised. And so anytime you do something, they just pop you. And before you know it, you're reacting because your subconscious has been trained to react that way. So part of us resetting our mind is, is giving our mind a new experience so it retrains our subconscious so that when we react, it's from an overflow of the word that we have instilled within our hearts and our minds. Once again, meditate on the word when, both day and night. So we may observe to do according to all that's written therein. Then we'll have what? Success, right? Then we'll have success. So our mind is a battleground and we are responsible for managing it. Go ahead and say this. Say, it's my job to manage my mind. It's my job to manage my mind. Nobody else can manage your mind for, for you. Pastor Edwin can't manage Pastor Shun's mind. Pastor Chris can't manage uh, Valley's mind. Uh, April's can't manage my mind. It's my job to manage my mind. And I love the part of the, uh, the prophecy that says this, I cannot lie. And then the prophecy says, so don't forget it. Don't let yourself forget it. God said, look, I won't lie to you. The premises that I told you that you could have, baby, I'm not lying to you, but it's your job not to forget it. Well, God, who, who wants to purposely forget about a promise of God? Nobody. But what happens? The cares of this world come in and they choke out the truth of God because that's what you spend your time meditating on. And so the second thing that we talked about last week or the other week is that the mind is a battleground and that we're responsible for managing it. Right. And we went over the Romans seven. We're not going to do that tonight for the sake of time. You can go back and listen to it. It says your current reality that you live in today is the result of the most dominant thoughts you have had and accepted to be true. And so our, the life I live today is the result of my most dominant thoughts that I've had and accepted to be true. So you got to understand that every thought that comes to your mind doesn't produce an outcome. See, there is a thought process that we talked about. You remember the thought process. You receive a thought, right? You analyze that thought. You decide to accept or reject the thought, and then you replace or replace, replace or replay that thought. And the example, I, I'll give you an easy example. Let's say, let's say you have a fleeting thought that you are broke, right? That you don't have enough. So you receive the thought, oh, I don't have enough. You analyze that thought. Where did this thought come from? Why am I thinking that I don't have enough? And so then you like, okay, should I accept or reject this thought? I reject the thought. Why? Because it doesn't line up with the word of God. So once I reject that thought, I got to now replace it with what the word says. What does the word say about me? He says, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. He says in Deuteronomy 8, 8 and 18 that he has given me the power to get well. So I, I replace any thought that I reject with what the word of God has said. All right. And then you got to ask yourself these guiding questions that we talked about last time. I'll go through them really quickly. The guy, I don't even think I put them in the notes because I don't want to spend a lot of time on them. Where did this thought, where would this thought lead me? So you're looking for a new job. You're looking, uh, you're applying and you look at the job like, oh man, uh, 
Ain't nobody going to pay me $160,000. Ain't nobody going to pay me $45,000. Nobody. So where if I keep having this thought, where will it lead me? Well, it'll lead me for not having a job that pays me that amount, number one. But it will also begin to constrain me to think that I'm not valuable enough to receive that. And so do, do and with that, you got to understand, do I know where I want to go? So I want a job that makes $150,000. I want a job that makes $100,000. I want a job that makes a half million dollars, right? So does this thought that I'm having lead me to this job or take me away from this job? And whenever it takes you away from that job, you got to reject the thought and you got to re replace it with a thought that will lead you towards the vision that God has for your life. So will these thoughts give me where I want to go? Are these thoughts scripturally acceptable? Will these thoughts build me up or will they tear me down? Could I share these thoughts with someone else? And that was the one we spent a little bit of time on. It's like, okay, if I'm having this thought, would this be a thought I'll share, I'll share with my men's group? Is this a thought that I call up my bro said and be like, hey, said, I'm thinking about this. Is this a thought if you're a married man? Is this a thought that you would share with your wife? Because if it's not a thought that you may share with your wife, maybe you shouldn't be thinking it. Or if you're a married woman, right? So there are a lot of thoughts that if you say I couldn't share with somebody that's godly, that's holy, and that's practicing uh, life, uh, the life of a kingdom believer, then it's most likely a thought that you need to get rid of. Now I'm not talking about the Lord told you that this is going to happen, right? And it's a vision. That's not what I'm talking about. But the enemy tricks us into thinking that uh, the th tricks us into holding things captive because if we can hold it captive, we feel like we can hide our sin. And so one way that you can create a barrier in your life is say, oh, could I share these thoughts with somebody else, right? I mean, who who's out there sharing thoughts about sleeping with somebody else's wife? And if you're sharing thoughts about sleeping with somebody else's wife and the people in your group is co-signing to that, baby, you got the wrong environment. You got the wrong team around you. And you won't be able to develop a mindset that aligns with the kingdom when you got when your team maintained, which we talked about that as well. All right. That was in one of that was the fifth step in the managing your mindset was like uh regulate what? Regulate your team. Oh, uh, let me go in order. Recognize your triggers was number one. Resist with the word was number two. So I gotta recognize my triggers. If I if I'm a married man and I understand that being in a room with another woman would be something that may cause me to uh, operate in infidelity, then I don't give myself permission to be in the room. See, barriers and fences, fences are not a, a bad things. You got to understand your triggers. A lot of times I work in the schools where they're at risk kids and they may try to do something to make you upset. They may call you the N-word. They may call you a B. They may call you whatever, right? So in my mind, I have rehearsed what I would do in a situation if this occurred. Why am I rehearsing that? Because in my mind, in my subconscious, every time a kid spit on me, I popped them in the face. Well, that will hurt that would harm my livelihood you know so in my mind i had to rehearse the trigger popping a kid in the face face will end up in jail popping a kid in the face may end up with uh me uh losing my job which impacts my livelihood which impacts my vision for to take care of my family and so i walk myself back why because those triggers knowing your triggers helps you to create a boundary that will keep you from operating outside the will of God or out operating outside the will of your company, your personnel policy, right? So that, that was step one in managing your mind. Step two was to resist with the word. That, I mean, that's self-explanatory. Step three was to renew your mind by retraining your thoughts. That's what I'm doing every time I saw myself popping a kid for spitting on me. I was retraining my thoughts until in my mind I had won the victory that I, I was spit on. I walked away and I called somebody else so that I didn't do th something outside of my character that jeopardized my livelihood. But see, the problem with many of us, we don't spend enough time winning the battle in our mind. We don't spend the battle 
win the battle of not taking our credit card to dealers on the semi-annual sale. We don't win the battle of just staying at home. We don't win the battle of not replying to that text. We don't win the battle of not checking our DM. We don't win the battle of just blocking the person in our messenger. We don't win those battles because we're not spending enough time training ourselves to think in alignment with what the kingdom says to do. Then number four was relentless effort to change. I can't quit. I refuse to quit on the kingdom. I refuse to quit on myself. I refuse to quit on my family. I will be relentless. And we've talked about Corinthians 15 and 58 there. All right. And then number five, regulate. You got to regulate your team, your tongue. You got to regulate your heart and you got to regulate your input. We talked about taming the things that we have in our environment, our ear gate, I mean, our eye gate, our ear gate, right? Those things that we had to do. And so that was last week. So this week, we're going to jump into defining that word manage and that word mindset. And then I give you some daily things that you can do that will help you to overcome uh, thoughts that are contradictory to the kingdom. All right. First, what's that word manage? So as we're talking about managing our mindset, that word manage means to be in charge of, to minister, all right, to run. So when I'm saying manage your mindset, I'm saying to be in charge of. Then that word mindset means a set of beliefs that shape how you make sense of the world and yourself. So when I'm saying that it's our job to manage our mindset, it's our job to be in charge of the beliefs that shape how we make sense of the world and ourselves. It's my job to be in charge of the beliefs that shape how I, I look at the identity that God has given me. It's my job to see how I perceive the world, right? That's my job. God has given me identity. God has given me a hope in a future. God has a plan and a purpose for my life. But if I am not in charge of the belief that shape and the way that I see myself intertwined or inside of the plan that God has for me, then I don't ever achieve that plan. But it's my job to do that. The church can't make you do it. The deacons can't make you do it. The elders can't make you do it. That's your job to manage, to be in charge of guarding your mind, to be in charge of aligning your own beliefs, to be in charge of tearing down those strongholds that contradict kingdom thinking. That's our job. In Romans 12 and 2, it tells us this way. Do not be conformed, right, to the pattern of this world. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but let God transform you. That word let means to allow, to give way to, right? When I'm going into the store, I open the door and I let my wife or I let Abra walk in front of me, right? That's giving them access to. So when I let God, that means I give God access to transform me into a new person by changing the way I think, right? So your mindset is going to fall into one or two categories. And Pastor Edwin did an excellent teaching on this. Uh, I forget the name of it. I should have found it for y'all, so my apologies. But uh, he did an excellent teaching on this. You're, you're going to be able, you're going to either have a fixed mindset or you're going to have a growth mindset. You want to fall into one or two of those categories. And so when we are talking about letting God transform us into a new person by the changing the way you think, it is impossible to be a believer and maintain a fixed mindset because as long as, well, it's not impossible. You can be a believer and still have a fixed mindset. You just won't manifest the goodness of God for your life because you will not allow Holy Spirit to do what he is designed to do. Because in the fixed mindset, you believe that your abilities are the thing that got you there. You believe your abilities are fixed traits and they can't be changed. You may also believe that your talent and intelligence alone led to your success and effort is not required. So you know those people that are just naturally smart. Those people that just made good grades. They didn't have to work hard. They didn't have to do any of that. Some of those people, and I was one of those people, I've had a fixed mindset, and that's part of the reason I'm doing this work. Uh, in, in some areas, it's just like, okay, uh, your talent got you there, or, or this got you there. And, and so when you face a challenge, 
that that you feel like your talent can help you overcome, you automatically take this mindset. I'm not going to even try this because I'm going to fail at it anyway. You may say, oh, I'm not good at that. And because I'm not good at that, you're not going to attempt that. The fixed mindset, if it can't see itself conquering it with its natural abilities, then it won't even be relentless about going after it. And if you're honest with yourself, as believers, you trust God to be your savior, but you're not trusting God enough to be your Lord. You don't trust that the Holy Spirit that he gave you will teach you all things so that no man has to teach you anything. In your fixed mindset, you are so dependent on yourself and your own skills, your own abilities, your own talents, your own successes, that when God presents an idea that's bigger than your own mind, then you lock down and say, I can't do it. Because that fixed mindset says, I'm not good at it. So I can't do it. If you think about Moses, when he called Moses and he, Moses like, I can't talk. When you think about all those things in the beginning, Moses had a fixed mindset, but he was, Moses changed that thing because then when you go, begin to have a growth mindset, you have this mentality. I can learn to do anything I want. Uh, the definition thing said, it says you believe that your talents and abilities can be developed over time through effort and persistence. So what you're saying is, and that's why a believer must have a growth mindset, and we'll get to the purpose of the Holy Spirit in a minute, but it's the Holy Spirit's job to put his super on top of our natural to give us the ability to do what we couldn't do on our own. But if I'm always fixed in my mindset, if I always think that, oh, that job position is out of my league. Oh, because why? They asking for this degree or they asking for that degree? Why is it out of your league? If the Holy Spirit comes on you to give you the ability to do what you couldn't do before, why can't the Holy Spirit qualify you to do that? But when a fixed mindset is a thing that you have adopted for your life, then you automatically disqualify yourself from the very promise that God has given you. The, when, the, when the spies went over to, to look at the land that the Lord had given to them, their fixed mindset made them think that they didn't have the ability to obtain the very thing that God had already told them they can have. They couldn't see themselves through their skills. They couldn't see themselves through their talents. They couldn't see themselves through their own abilities, overcoming the giants and which that lived in the land that was promised to them. Because of their inability to grow their mindset through Holy Spirit, they didn't inherit the promise. How many promises are we leaving on the table because we refuse to let Holy Spirit grow our mindset so we can see the victory and the promise that he has already provided for us? Because when you have a growth mindset, I can do all things who, through Christ who gives me strength. That is a growth mindset scripture. That is not saying that I'm all that, but it's saying that I, God is all that. And he has given me the Holy Spirit to come inside of my life, may giving me the ability to become all that. I am constantly evolving in my work and I'm a work in progress. I am constantly evolving. I am always becoming more and more like Christ. The more I'm challenged, the better, the more I'm challenged, the more I rely on Holy Spirit to lead my way. Why? Because that's what a growth mindset looks like. I can't fail when I have access to Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is a difference maker. Absolutely. Holy Spirit is a difference maker. So I have to uh, stop having a fixed mindset. Quick litmus test if you got a fixed mindset. And you can be fixed in your mindset in one area, but not fixed in all areas. So, so don't be like, oh, no, that's not me. Why? Because as you begin to identify any area of your life, that you may be limiting God or fixed in the way that you're thinking based off experiences, based off emotions, based off trauma and past, then you can say, God, I need help in this area where my mind is fixed, but God, I don't want to fix mine. I want a growth mind. So help me, God, so that I may become more like you in this area. So if you're a person that always sees the limiting the limits and everything you do. Well, you need, I want to, God's actually to start a business. He's like, well, I ain't never filled out the business form. I don't know how to do an LLC. I don't know how to do that. And so now you, you're always finding the limits and the promise why you can't do it. If you're a person that avoids challenges, 
you most likely have a fixed mindset. If you're threatened, oh, this one gonna hit some of y'all. If you're threatened by other people's success, most likely you got a limiting mind, a fixed mindset. Because the fixed mind, because it makes you're envious of the fact that Pastor Chris' business is doing good. And in a fixed mindset, you like, her business is doing good, but my business is not doing so good. And then inwardly, you begin, you begin to identify yourself as a failure because it's not doing. Comparison is something that is, that is embedded in the fixed mindset. You're threatened by other people's success. You want to look smart, but you don't want to do the work to be smart. Right? Because if it doesn't come to you naturally, then you ain't trying. Here's the one that really uh, some of y'all are going to identify with. You may not like it, but you, it's you. You ignore feedback. You don't like constructive criticism. You don't want nobody telling you anything. You fix in your mindset. Because anybody who desires growth desires criticism, desires constructive criticism. Anybody who desires growth desires feedback. That's why the Holy Ghost can't tell you nothing. That's why you disobedient and you hard-headed. And, and my mom was, used to say, have a saying, I can't say it all, but it went something like this, a hard head, and then y'all can fill in the rest, right? You kind of knew that, but see, you don't like feedback. Somebody said, I ignore feedback. I, ignoring feedback is an indication that you're fixing your mindset. Constructive criticism. Feedback, all right? It, it helps you grow up. We we used to say this all the time. The job of the pastor is to uh, assist you in seeing the blind spots in your life. But if I don't let somebody else, I think it's Bahari's window as well, that says there's this unknown self, a part of you that other people see, but you don't see yourself. So if you're not willing to allow other people to give you feedback on how to be a better you, then you fixing your mindset and you won't grow. And, and part of that feedback comes from the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost said, hey, you immature. I ain't immature. The Holy Ghost says, you need to grow up. I don't need to grow up. The Holy Ghost, you like, well, I ain't got that new house. You ain't conquer paying your bills on time in your apartment yet. The Holy Ghost trying to grow you up financially so that your house don't get repossessed. The Holy Ghost trying to, but you don't ever see the time between now and manifestation as something positive, which will lead us into the other thing that we'll talk about in a moment is, is being outcome driven versus process driven and how that one leads to a fixed mindset while the other one leads to a growth mindset. But any, we were talking about the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is the thing that makes the difference in the life of the believer, right? The Holy Spirit, and I, I'm just going to run through the scriptures. Y'all can write them down. I did not put them in the uh, thing because I wasn't going to read through them all, all right? But this is Bible study, so I will give you the notes, right? That The Holy Spirit is a helper who teaches you and reminds you, right? The Holy Spirit knows all the secrets. And so when I understand that I have a growth mindset. I understand that I take feedback from the Holy Spirit. I take feedback from the elders of the church. I take feedback from my brothers because I am my brother's keeper, right? I take feedback from the team the team that I have around me. I take feedback from people who I encounter on in my workplace. It doesn't matter that I'm the director of the program. If a, if a teacher that works for me says, Marlo, hey, have you considered doing this this way? I don't say, ooh, because of my position. Who are you to tell me anything? No, I am always listening for an opportunity to approve. Why? That's what a growth mindset looks like. Some of you in your companies, you can't pro you can't progress because you won't you won't let nobody tell you nothing. You won't let nobody grow you up. And that's why you can attend every soul shift Pastor Sean does from now until Jesus comes back. But until you get rid of a fixed mindset, until you begin to embrace constructive criticism and feedback and embrace that to be something that makes you better, then you won't, you won't change. You got to always be looking for improvement. And sometimes the pathway to improvement comes from somebody other than yourself. The, whole, the Bible says that God uses men, right? He uses men, right? He uses men, and not just men in the sense of males, but men and women, 
to bring correction. He says, how do you know I love you? I, you know I love you because I, I correct you, right? Some of you have embraced, I'm going to say it like this, being bastards. Some of you have embraced that. You have embraced because you don't want to be father. What you want, you want to show up and you want to get the privilege of the father without being a son. You want to get the privilege of the father without being a daughter. You want the privilege of the kingdom without hearing what the kingdom has to say. And in that, you will never inherit what a father has because you're not really a son. You're not really a daughter. You're just showing up. You're just showing up. As a teacher, uh, I've had numerous kids to come to me. I've mentored numerous kids. I've done a lot of things. But the thing that, that that's different, none of them will receive an inheritance from me because they're not my kids. And so what happens is sometimes people come through and, and they want to grab something and they want to get something. And they sometimes they just want to be in your presence. Sometimes they just want this, right? But the thing is, children inherit. And how do you know you're a child? Because you look like the father. See, you can pull any of them kids out of the rooms and they're going to look like their daddy. Even major, major is not biologically my kid, but if you go look at major and you start looking at his tendencies, he's been with us four years now. He begins to act more and more and more like a Marlo as he is in, in embedded in the culture of being a Marlo. Because when you're embedded within a culture or way of living, then you can't help but take on that way of living. He lives in this house every day. He comes home to me every day. And so there will be characteristics that he exhibits that looks just like me because he has been engulfed in the culture. His mindset for thinking will look like my mindset for thinking because of the culture. That's good, Pastor. Son. So, so how you been saved for years and still don't look nothing like Jesus? How you still look like the devil? Who do you look like? Right. Who do you look like? But anyway, you got to understand the Holy Spirit gives you the advantage. All right. The Holy Spirit provides revelation of wisdom and power. 1 Corinthians 10, 2, 10 through 11. The Holy Spirit gives you spiritual gifts. I'm actually going to read that when I did say I was going to read that one. These are the things that God has revealed to us by the Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For no, for who knows a person's thoughts except for their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So if you remain in a fixed mindset, you will feel like you don't have the ability to know what God is saying. But the growth mindset gives Holy Spirit access. It lets him in so that you may know what God knows. You know what God knows. 1 Corinthians 7 and 11 says that he gives spiritual gifts to the believers. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says he helps us in our weakness. So in those times when we feel like we are not enough, in those times when we feel like we don't have enough knowledge, in those times that we feel like we're not, we're not capable, in our weakness, the Holy Spirit is made strong. He is strong and he strengthens us so that we may do it. And then the Holy Spirit sanctifies and enables good fruit in our lives. See, that's how you know if you listen to the Holy Spirit or not, because there is fruit in your life. If you don't see no fruit, baby, I question whether you the tree that you think you are. I don't drive past an apple tree and I see grape, I mean, grapes on it. I don't drive past an apple tree and I see oranges on it. I don't put, drive past an apple tree and I see grapefruits or cherries. No. I see apples. So if I have the Holy Spirit in me and I have a growth mindset and I've adopted the mind of God, then there should be fruit that looks like the tree that you claim you are. And if there's not fruit, then there's always fruit. The question is, what kind of fruit you show? But 
Let's not linger on that any further. Let's keep going. God has put his super on top of your natural, giving you the ability to do what you could not do alone. And so you got to understand that in my mindset, I refuse to be fixed. In my mindset, I refuse to be staggered. I mean, uh, to be stagnant in my mindset. I have to let Holy Spirit do his job. All right. So if you have a fixed mindset, these are some of the things you say. That's just who I am. I can't change. But the thing about the fixed mindset, too, you also think other people can't change. That's why it's going to be hard for you to get a relate, be in a relationship because you think every man, every woman is just like the other woman or man you had. It ain't them, baby. It's you. It's your mind that's fixed. You always making a way to make things look like the past trauma you already experienced. You are always be broke. Fixed mindset. I'll always be depressed. Fixed mindset. I'll always be. If you're talking about you'll always be something and it's not the thing that's in the kingdom of God, you got a fixed mindset. You disqualify yourself before you ever have an opportunity to even attempt to inherit the promise. You sabotage your relationships with fixed mindsets. You definitely injure other people with your fixed mindset. And so we got to understand that we got to let the Holy Ghost, we got to be, we got to let him in so that our minds can be transformed. And for many people, our mindsets that we have, they were developed early on in life. So we, I'll be 40 in March, right? Well, we got to understand that the mindset of me, uh, uh, almost 40 year old, it didn't happen now. It happened growing up. It happened as a kid. And so what we got to do real quick is look at what happens. How do we, how do we develop these mindsets, whether it's fixed or growth mindset, and then how do we overcome it, all right? So it a lot of it, based off research, talks about how were you praised and, and the labels that were placed on your life. So outcome-driven driven praise often leads to a fixed mindset because all that's being praised are the results. Hey, you, you so smart. Hey, you did so great on the math test. Hey, you score eight touchdowns. Hey, it's always about the accomplishment. It's always about the end result, right? But a process-driven praise leads to a growth mindset. It's the praise that says, hey, you know what? You studied really, really hard for that math test. That's why you did well. Keep up that good work. Hey, you know what? I saw the work that you were putting in at practice. I saw you out there working with Coach uh, Vaughn on your footwork. I saw how you accepted that constructive criticism and the feedback he gave you about how to keep your knees up on how to uh, rotate your hips. I saw you doing that. That's why you're scoring seven touchdowns. That's why you're doing that. Because so many believers have gotten caught up in a in this pray, in this outcome-driven praise and this fixed mindset that you don't have any endurance to keep going when in the midst of adversity. You don't know how to turn. That's why companies will tell you, give me a hard-working C student any day over the all-A student who didn't have to study. Why? Because that that person never developed endurance. They never developed steadfast steadfastness. They didn't develop the mindset needed to persevere in the presence of adversity. And so what happens is as adults, you're just, you're just praised for these outcomes, but you never take the chance to praise for the process. And if you look at the church of today, how does the church reinforce these mindsets? A lot of churches praise outcomes. And then they criticize effort. Well, I mean, I uh, she just she just she just over the horn around. I mean, that's 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 what like, and, and then put a title on it. She just that. He just that. Like like outcomes, right? It's outcome. And then she may be sleeping with five less dudes than she slept with last week. Well, she still. Sleep on folks. She's still an ex. She's still a drug. He's still a drug addict. He's still whatever. In the body of Christ, we got to do a much better job of recognizing growth in people. Because I'm not sure if some of y'all forgotten, but you didn't become holy overnight. 
you still got struggles, right? You still got things that you're trying to overcome. But if you're not careful, you'll begin to criticize somebody else when honestly they making progress. The progress ain't what you may want it to look like, but they doing better. And we got to remember and plug for Elder Valley to come teach his teaching that we, we are saved, but we're being saved and we will be saved, right? So we are all growing. And as a church, I got to pay enough attention to people to know that, you know what's, uh, uh, you know what, bro? Look, hey, God wants you to live your best life. And, and I see that you sleeping with five less people than you slept with last month. That God wants you not to be sleeping with anybody that's not your wife. But look, I see that progress. Instead of saying, oh, man, you still this fornicator. He is, right? We know that. I mean, that's what it is. But when you don't take the time to recognize progress in people, then it kills the effort. It fixed the mindset. And, and I mean, and it's just a natural part of things that people do uh, with, with, with kids. I, I, I'm very careful that the same energy that I use to correct a kid of mine, if I said, Aiden, I need you to start cleaning up your room better, right? And I go off on him about not cleaning up his room. And then he starts taking time out to clean his room up. And he starts doing things without me asking him to do it. Then I need to use that energy to say, hey, Aiden, I see you, bud. I see that effort. I see that growth. Hey, continue to do that. I know you didn't feel like it, but you did it anyway. I, I, I know you didn't do this, but you did it anyway. Because we got to give room for Holy Spirit to work in people's lives. We got to give we got to give room for people to hear Holy Spirit. We got to give room for people to hear Holy Spirit. I can't always be rescuing my kids. They got to hear God for themselves even at 5, 7 and 9. I can't always be jumping in trying to be savior. We develop these these dependencies that people have because we always try to be lord in their life instead of them hearing God for their own life. All of that is part of the process of growing up and maturing. And when we interfere with somebody else's process to grow up and mature, when we interfere with their access and God's attempts to get them to hear him clearly, then we interfere with their growth. And so we got to let people make mistakes sometimes so that they can hear God. You can't always be paying everybody's rent every time they call you because you're not going to teach them any financial progress. You're not going to teach them anything. And so we got to understand that we can't just label people as this or label people as that because those labels are going to create constraints. Like, I mean, they, they just do. Like, here's a label. Girls are better at cooking or, or women should clean up. And if you're not careful, you'll have girls, like in my house, uh, we, we don't have tasks that we do based off gender. My kids, I mean, my kids see me cook way more than April cooks. Does that mean April's not a good woman? No, April's an excellent wife, an excellent mother. It's just not just because you're a girl or a female doesn't mean that's the role you got to play. But if you're not careful, labels from society will create constraints on you that will cause you to feel like you got to be involved in something. You got to do something that it will be a very distraction from you achieving the thing that God wants you to do. See, you so busy trying to cook that you, I mean, to, to fill the role of cooking and your husband ain't even caring about cooking. Your husband's love language is, is affection and physical touch, but you up here trying to cook a meal for him every day. Your husband like, hey, I cook my own meal, baby, just come sit in my lap. But because you are constrained by perception of what your identity must be within the relationship, you are now trying to cook a meal and you're mad at your husband because he's not happy with the meal you're cooking, but you are constrained by identity that your husband doesn't even want you to fulfill because he can cook for himself. He just wants you to sit in his lap. He just wants quality time. And see, and as a man, if you're not careful, then you will begin to put unnecessary burdens on your wife because you will but again, your wife is out here living her best life. Your wife is out here a go-getter in her, in her, in her field, right? 
That's what your wife is. And so your wife makes more money than you. And so now you got this ick because your wife is making more money than you and you got her feeling some type of way all because of a label that a man is the breadwinner. That's a label. That's a constraint. That's a mindset that is not supported by the kingdom of God. But then if I begin to hate on my own wife, my own partner, my own best friend, simply because she makes more money than I do, then that's the issue that I got to take care of myself. But it's a label that has constrained me that is then beginning to injure other people because subconsciously I begin to treat my wife a different way because really I'm angry and I'm pissed off that she makes more money than me. And that's a role and a title I'm supposed to have. The word to April, if you don't know, baby, you can make three times more money than me. I'll still, I'll be good to you. I'll be a, I'll be a great house husband. I ain't tripping on that. But those labels though, those are the things that create constraints and those constraints often con conflict with the promises of God, which hinder us from seeing his goodness and enjoying the peace and the joy that he has for us. And so even in church, we got to be very careful that we don't put labels on people. If we can't support the thing that we're doing by the word of God, then that is not something that we should be supporting. Right? All my boys, by the time they leave, my my all my kids will be self-sufficient. I'm going to teach them to depend on themselves, depend on God, but take care of yourself. Why? Because cleaning ain't a role for a gender. Cooking ain't a role for a gender. Who makes the most money in the house ain't a role for a gender. Baby, we a team. So right now, I need to take kids to every ball game while you do soul shift, while you do prayer while you do whatever, I do that. And then when the time comes, then we switch. But that's the thing about being married. And if you ain't done it already, here's a plug. Time out for a brief uh, announcement. Go back on Tuesday night. Yesterday, we had marriage relationships one-on-one. It was really good. Last month we had it. I encourage you to take the time out if you're in a relationship and you're watching this to go back and, and, and watch it. You can go uh, the Pastor Sean and Pastor Edwin's Facebook page. Oh, there it is, right there. Relationships one-on-one. The next one's Tuesday, March uh, 7th. While we got kind of detoured to relationships, go on over there and let the experts, Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean, teach you how to be a good communicator in your marriage. I'll be married 20 years this year. And he wanted, the only reason I'm married is because of the Lord, but because I sat down and I listened to what they had to say. Didn't always feel good. Didn't always like it. But I live a better life today because I was coachable. Why? Because being coachable is a growth mindset. All right. So even with access. All right. So it is these type of thoughts that we must manage. We got to get rid of the labels. We got to get rid of the, the uh, unnecessary fixed mindsets. We got to get rid of the constraints. Right. And so how do I do that? How do I do that? So you do that by doing this. All right. Go to Second Peter 1 and 3 for me. It, I think I put that one in there. It says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this. All right. We have received all of this. Let me. We have received all of this. And in my notes, it's highlighted by coming to know him. By coming to know him or by becoming intimate with him. How do I become intimate with him? I get to know how he thinks. See, when I began to, when I fell in love with April, it was around, what, what year is it now? 2003. It was around 2000 and, uh, 1997 when I first saw her, right? I was in the eighth grade. And so when I saw it, I beheld beauty and it was something I wanted to pursue. And when you want to pursue something and get to know something, then you spend, you change the way you live to become intimate with it, right? And so I changed the way I did things. I found out a number. I got to, when I was four, well, Pastor I got a number. I started spending time with it. I started asking her what she liked. When was the last time you asked Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do you want? What do you like? What can I do for you today? What will please you, Father? 
How often do you how often do you ask Holy Spirit? Because when you're becoming to get intimate with somebody, you're trying to find out this the secrets, the thing that makes them happiest. And once you know that, then you do it. Like April likes flowers. And so one thing I do is that I make sure that when I go to Sam's Club or I pass a flower shop or something like that, I bring her flowers almost weekly. Why? Because it's something that she loves. And see, when you begin to want to know somebody, you go out of your way to please them. And so that's what the Lord is talking about in 2 Peter there. He says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this simply by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. I come to know him gives me access to everything I need for living a godly life. See, for the fixed mindset people, this bothers you. Why? Because you got to earn it. You got to do it with your intelligence. You got to do it with your ability. You got to do it with your actions. No, baby. No. We have received all of this by coming to know him. So as I have desired to be intimate with God, as I have desired to spend time with God, as I have desired and awoken each day and said, God, what can I do for your kingdom today? As I've desired to please him, he has then given me by his divine power everything I need for living a godly life. I'm not without. I don't lack in any area. Why? Because as I come to know him, then he gives me everything as I need. As I come to know him, he may say, sow this money over here, Ralph, and I sow this money. He give me everything I need. As I come to know him, he may say, pray for this, Ralph, and I pray for this. And I may not even be praying for anything on my own life uh, at that time, but by doing the will of the Father, I have everything that I need. And that's a promise that he has to live up to. My job is just to know him. And see, we get so conflicted sometimes because we want to do his job. Our job is to know him. It's his job to, to manifest the promise. Our job is to know him. Our job is to obey him. Our job is to believe him. Because being intimate with somebody means I want to do the thing that pleases them. So you keep trying to qualify and gain, gain approval for something God has given to you. That's a fixed mindset. A fixed mindset constantly wants affirmation. It wants confirmation. It wants approval. It wants to earn it. But God has given it to you freely. See, God wants to bless you with the house freely. God wants to bless you with the job freely. But you keep thinking that you got to go. Some of you, God saying, hey, go apply for that job. And, and, and the job requires a, a doctorate and all you got is a master's. And God said, yeah, that's your job. Go apply for it. But because you ain't earned a degree, you disqualify yourself. You don't allow the word of God because you don't intimately know him. And because we're not, because this is what intimacy does. Within intimacy, true intimacy is developed a trust. When in true intimacy, there's a trust developed so that when I am intimate with God, the same way I become intimate with April. If April told me, Ralph, I am going to do X, Y, and Z, I then don't think about the rest of the day whether X, Y, and Z is going to get done because through intimacy over the last 25 years of knowing her, over half my life, she has proven to be tried and true, and I can trust her character. So as I begin to develop the intimacy with God, and he tells me to apply for the job, even though I know it says this is required, I trust the intimacy. I trust him because I've been intimate with him. So I do what he says, even though it looks like in the natural, the fixed mindset said I wouldn't qualify. Bro says that I trust the father because I, he, he's tried and true. And that's why God has given us daily opportunities to develop our faith, to strengthen our faith. Because every day he gives us an opportunity to trust him. And every day we trust him and we see the result is better than it will fuel the next day to trust him more. That's why when I was in college and he asked me for $5 and it was all I had and I would give it. And he, and, and he could trust me with it. And I could trust him that I still had gas in my Mazda 66. And then the next time it might have been $10 and I gave the $10 and it might have been all I 
had, but I also need the groceries. But somebody brought me groceries. God was proven to me through intimacy that he would take care of me. Now, when he asks me for something, I am not tripping whether I need to give it to him or not, because through intimacy, I trust that he'll do what he said he's going to do. And so if we honor with ourselves, it is the lack of intimacy with God that causes us to not trust God. It, and you don't want to be intimate because if you're honest, and we ain't going to get to it tonight, we're, out, we're running out of time, is because past trauma has injured you. And now you don't feel like you can trust anybody other than yourself. So you have built fences. The same way I told you about barriers in the beginning, a barrier is good. It keeps things out. But a barrier, the wrong barrier can be bad because it will keep things in. And so though you would never tell God that you don't feel like you can't trust him because of past things that happened to you, though you never tell God that, though you never told your husband that you really don't trust him and you you've never let your guard down to your husband or your spouse doesn't have 100% of your heart, though you never told them that your actions say it. And so one thing that we have to do, and it was later on in the notes, is that you can't allow past traumas to impact your ability to move forward in your future. You got to allow God to, to heal you of past wounds. Because when you're talking about thinking, a lot of your thoughts are, are manifested through emotions. And, and it talk and the neurons and all of that, but we won't get into all of that. But anyway, what happens is if you are not over a traumatic experience, that traumatic experience, though you are, you think you're over it, will begin, will begin to create a fleeting thought. That fleeting thought will begin to cause an emotion. That emotion will produce certain types of hormones and things like that. And then you'll begin to react to a situation that's probably not even a real situation simply because you're having the same physical response to it because it's so real in your mind. That's how you begin to sabotage and injure both other people and yourself because you ain't whole yourself. And so before, and, and sometimes you're like, you're trying to rush God because you want boo and you want to be booed up and you want somebody just like everybody else got somebody, but you ain't mature enough. And God is trying to get you to be whole so that you don't go into a relationship harming somebody else. You carrying around a knife in your hand and you don't even realize it and you go to hug the person you love and you slice their throat. Why? Because that's what past trauma does. It kills things when it's not taken care of. And so you got to be really careful that the things that you're asking God to expedite, the things that you're growing, growing unpatient in, the things that you're just all fretting about and you want to work faster, it may be an opportunity that God is growing up your character. God is maturing you. And if you spend time with God long enough to say, God, what is it in this time are you wanting me to grow up in so that I may inherit and manifest the promise that you have for me, then you may get the direction that you need. But what, but what you got to understand is, is that your mindset can't always be fixed on the outcome, like the fixed mindset is. Growth mindset is, okay, God, as we manifest debt deliverance, as we manifest healing, as we manifest successful marriage, as we manifest a new job, what do I need to learn along the way? so that I can become more like you, Father. What, what do I need? What in my character needs to die so I can look like more like you? What, what in my flesh needs to be crucified so that I can look more like you? Because those are things that we got to do when we're talking about managing our mindset. It isn't about the outcome as much as it is about the thing that we kill the thing that we hone in the thing that we that we cut off along the way so that we could become more like god what do i need to learn to look more like you because the victory that pastor Sean talked about on friday i mean on sunday that's a victory through obedience but you don't obey anything you don't trust that's why you obey your flesh all the time because you trust it. You spend so much time being intimate with your flesh. You trust your flesh. You trust your flesh that it's going to bring you pleasure. You trust your flesh that it's going to bring you sanctification. I mean, satisfaction. You trust your flesh. And so that's why you listen to it. 
It's not that Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean and Pastor Chris and Elder Valley don't have thoughts of the flesh. It's not that, baby. The only difference in, in them and somebody who's acting on it is the most dominant thought, the one that they chose to, what did I tell you? You receive it, right? I told you, you receive the thought. Once you receive the thought, you analyze it, you accept or reject it. And see, some of you don't reject the thought because really, if you're true with yourself, you want to go have sex. You want to go spend the money that God told you to save. You want to steal the tithe because you would rather get you a, a better car and keep the $200 instead of tithing. You want that. And if you're just true to yourself, then God can help you. But you lying to yourself on, on, on why you're doing it. And so it's hard to help somebody who always blaming other people for the reason that they're in the situation that they're in. But man, we growing up this year. So we got to get out of here. It's one, it's, we're at an hour 11 minutes. But as we, and, and this is how I'm talking to myself. As I am growing up and I am working on my own mindset, I am sharing with you what I got to do. And I, I refuse to be fixed. I refuse to be fixed about myself. I refuse to let past experiences of poverty to keep me from experiencing the prosperity I know God has for me. I refuse to be limited by thoughts uh, uh, of not being enough or not having, not being smart enough or not being whatever. I refuse to do that. Why? Because I have Holy Spirit and he can teach me how to do anything. And if he can teach me how to do anything, there's no business I can't start. There's nothing I can't invent. There's no room I can't go into that I don't have the answers to. Why? Because Holy Spirit knows and he tells me all the secrets. So that's the word tonight. We'll come back next week. And we'll talk about the three daily choices you can make to manage your mind. And we'll, we'll just keep rolling with this until the Lord takes us somewhere else. All right. So this week, though, I do challenge you. This is a challenge for this week. To spend time with God, asking God, God, what is an, what's the area that I need to become more intimate with you in? What's an area I need to become more intimate with you in? And what's an area of my life that I have a fixed mindset that you want me to become, develop a growth mindset? And here's the thing. You don't got to change everything overnight. But every day we take a step in the right direction, we take a step closer to the promised land. And so every day, that's our goal. Make a step in the right direction. So God, what do I need to do to become more intimate with you? And then What's an area in my life that I've had a fixed mindset and give me direction on how to change? All right. So that's that's the word. All right. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's give. All right. I love to give. Let's give. Give a five. Push pay. Tidly. Text to give. PayPal for our international partners. Uh, right now, I believe it's Tidly and Push Pay lets you cover the fees. So uh, that means if you give a tithe of $200 and uh, Normally, it'll be a processing fee of 3%, 3.5% plus like a 35 cent transaction. So you think on $100, the church, if you tithe $100, the church may get 95 of that after you tithe. But if you cover the fees, then the church gets the full $100 and then you cover the fees. So that's available via Tively and Pushpay. All right. If you are an international partner, please utilize PayPal, uh, FOCChurchNWAGmail.com. And then, of course, you can also give via Givelify. All right. So those are the ways to give. You guys know we have 100% tithers. And I challenge you, if, you haven't, if you're not a tither, I challenge you to tithe for one month. No, I heard that. Six weeks. I challenge you to tithe for six weeks. Top, try it. I mean, try God. Prove God at his word that if he won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing for you. So I challenge you to tithe for six weeks. So it's funny because people call. They want to borrow money. They want to do this and they want that. They want the life you live without doing the things you do to enjoy the life you live. And the thing that we do over here in this house, we tithe. And so I challenge, and I don't care what people say about tithing, whatever. All I know is this, for me, it's tried and it's true. And I've never been without, and I'm living a life better than I, I had imagined because I've been committed to tithing since I was 18 years old. And so uh, we tithe. So do that. All right. If you don't know Jesus, your Lord, and your personal Savior, we want to invite you to come home. So if you don't know Jesus, your Lord, and your personal Savior, say this prayer with me. Father God, I accept you into my life. As Lord, I, I receive you as my Savior. I thank you that that 
your Holy Spirit will fill my heart and drive out everything that's not of you. And I declare that I will live a life that is fulfilling to the kingdom in Jesus' name. And so now you're born again. And once you're born again, the next thing you got to do is get connected to a church that teaches the word of God. And that's FOC, baby. You, I mean, we're the best church on this side of heaven for us and for thousands of partners around the world. We are that. And so become a partner today. Visit focchurch.nwa, I mean, focchurch.com. And, and scroll down and become a partner. And if you said that prayer, message me on Facebook, Raphael Marlowe, message the church. Let us pray with you and make sure you get connected to a church and make sure you get connected to somebody that can help you walk out your salvation. All right. I think that's all the announcements. Uh, you can join us again Friday is our next time together. Join us Friday for uh, Champion Circle at 6.30 a.m. And then join us Sunday at 9 for uh, Pastor Chris with Christian Valley's Worships, followed by Pastor Sean and Pastor Edwin at 9.30 for Sunday Celebration. And then Monday, we have Strategies for Success. Uh, then we'll have nothing this Tuesday, not until the March 7th, we'll have um, Relationships 101. That's so right now on Tuesdays, the second, third, and fourth Tuesday of the month. There's nothing going on. But the first Tuesday, we're back at March 7th for Relationships 101. And then on Wednesday's night, I'll say it's a triple header. At 7 o'clock, you got prayer with one of our amazing prayer, uh, uh, prayer team members. Then at 7.15, your kid, the Ignite team. Uh, shout out to Kev and Santresa and, and uh, Master Chandra, Dr. Pastor Chandra for taking care of our teams. Make sure your teams are plugged in there. Uh, that's at... Uh, Oh, yeah, I'll fix that. That's at 7.15. And then, of course, refresh is at 8. There's a correction to the huddle time. The, huddle, the next huddle is March 5th at 11 a.m. The next huddle is March 5th at 11 a.m. So those are all of our announcements for today. You guys be blessed. I love you. And make sure that you spend time praying every day in the Holy Spirit, 60 minutes a day. Take communion more often, right? Uh, make sure that you spend time. Uh, what did I say? Don't miss a service. Pray in the spirit. Uh, take communion more often. All right. So make sure you're doing all four of those things. So that, oh, there it is. Commit to not miss a service. Read your word daily. Take communion more often and pray in tongues. Do that every day. And when you read your word, don't make it hard. I mean, you can meditate on, a, on one scripture. All right. We ain't talking about just sitting down and reading your book like a novel the Bible like a novel and not getting anything out. Make sure you're reading the word, you're meditating on it, you're chewing it over and over, and then you're applying it in your life. That's how we get results, all right? Be blessed. Have an excellent rest of the week. I will see you on Friday. Bye-bye.